Yesterday I said we had better know who Jesus is and we better know his gospel. We better know who Jesus is and we better know his gospel. Now, 48 days in, that sounds pretty repetitive. I know that. It seems pretty redundant. I know that. In fact, it's pretty much all that we've talked about throughout our study of the gospel of John. It has been one verse after another, one chapter after another, one event after another, revealing to us the truth of Jesus and the truth of his gospel. Well, to that, let me say, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Uh, Our prayer, listen, should be, Lord, let us see Jesus. Lord, let us know Jesus. Lord, through your word, let us behold Jesus. That ought to be the cry of every believer. Lord, let us see Jesus. You see, it is no overstatement to say tonight that everything hinges on Jesus. Now, that's a big statement, but it's no overstatement to say everything hinges on Jesus. It is no overstatement to say tonight, He is our hope, and without Him we have no hope. He is our future, and apart from Him we have no future. He is our salvation, and without Him we are doomed in our sin. Listen to me tonight. Jesus is our everything. He is our everything. Lord, let us see Jesus tonight. Well, tonight in our verses, we come to the end of Jesus' public ministry. Uh, What began with the, the miracle there in Cana ends here now tonight in Jerusalem. In a couple of short months after this event, Jesus will go to the cross of Calvary. Tonight's words are his last words to the crowds, his last words to the Jews that he loves before he comes back to Jerusalem for the week of Passover. Tonight our message is entitled, The First and Last Word of Jesus. The First and Last Word of Jesus. Now we're in John chapter 10, verses 31 through 42. We're going to finish out the 10th chapter, John chapter 10, verses 31 through 42. The first and last word of Jesus. I'm going to ask if you would, if you'd stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the word of God. Verse 31, God's word says this, the Jews picked up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, I showed you many good works from the Father. For which of them are you stoning me? The Jews answered him, For a good work we do not stone you, but for blasphemy, and because you, being a man, make yourself out to be God. Jesus answered them, Has it not been written in your law, I said you are gods? If he called them gods, to whom the word of God came, and the scripture cannot be broken, do you say of him whom the Father sanctified and sent into the world, you are blaspheming because I said, I am the Son of God. If I do not, if I do, not do the works of my Father, do not believe me. But if I do them, though you do not believe me, believe the works so that you may know and understand that the Father is in me 
and I and the Father. Therefore they were seeking again to seize him, and he eluded their grasp. And he went away again beyond the Jordan to the place where John was first baptizing, and he was staying there. Many came to him and were saying, while John performed no sign, yet everything John said about this man was true. Many believed in him there. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Father, we come tonight again. We're rejoicing in you. Lord Jesus, you are our everything. We're thankful for you, our, our Savior, our King, our Lord, our Lamb. Lord, we exalt your name. Lord, I, I pray thanking you for 48 nights in your enablement to hear your word, in your grace to hear your truth. And Lord, I'm thankful for, for the kindness you've given us to be able to hear your voice. Lord, I pray that on this night, the 48th night, I pray that you would speak. And I pray that your voice would ring magnificent in our ears, that we would be blessed, that we would, we would hear our shepherd, and we would draw close. We would be ready to follow in obedience. And I pray that in all of that, that you'd be pleased, that you'd be blessed. Lord, I pray for some that will hear this message tonight that do not know you. I pray that in the hearing of good news, in the hearing of a risen Savior, in the hearing of hope for sinners, that tonight, this Thursday night, might be the night of their salvation. Lord, we, we do come and just open this up before you. We ask that you would move and that you would work. We pray that you'd be known in, in all of it. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Tonight, I'm going to go through the verses, and then we're going to come back and talk about the verses. And so we're going to start directly in to the verses tonight. Now, I'm going to back up to verse 30, and that is where we'll begin tonight. Jesus says in verse 30, I and the Father are one. I and the Father are one. Now, remember from last night, Jesus says here in the 30th verse that he and the Father, they are two distinct individuals they are one. They are one essence. They are both God. And that verse is a picture of the Trinity. They are two members of the Godhead, both individuals and yet one God. And so that's the meaning of verse 30. Well, Jesus says this, and in response, we have verse 31. The Jews picked up stones again to stone him. Now, the Jews were forbidden by the Romans from carrying out an execution. If they, if they thought a crime was worthy of an execution, they were supposed to solicit the Roman court, and then they would do it for them. Now, that's what's going to happen in a couple months. Uh, on this day, the Jews are so enraged that they're not worried about the Roman rule. They're not worried about the Roman law. And so they've decided to carry out an execution themselves. The Bible says that they picked up rocks to stone Jesus. In the original language, it means their arms are drawn back to throw the stones. John says again, notice that word again. This is actually the fourth time they've tried to kill Jesus. Now I want you to listen to a verse, chapter 5, verse 18. It says this, for this reason, Therefore the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, 
because he was not only breaking the Sabbath, but also was calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Now, I want you to be sure tonight, the deliberations are over. The verdict has been decided, and they are very adamant, Jesus must die. Jesus must die. And so the fourth attempt on his life, Jesus must die. Verse 31, the Jews picked up stones again to stone him. Verse 32, Jesus answered them, I showed you many good works from the Father. For which of them are you stoning me? Now I want you to think about this tonight. What did Jesus do wrong? What did Jesus do wrong? When did Jesus do harm? And I, I want you to go back and you can look through John's gospel. You can go back to the other gospel accounts and I want you to try and make a list. What did Jesus do wrong? Now we find in our account, he gave back hope to the hopeless. He gave back sons to their grieving parents. He restored outcasts. He healed the lame. He cast out demons. He healed the blind, even a man blind from birth. And so we ask the question, what harm did he do? What wrong did Jesus do worthy of death? Verse 32 again, Jesus answered them, I showed you many good works from the Father. For which of them are you stoning me? Now I want you to notice, and he actually says it many times, he says the miracles were of the Father, the good works of the Father, meaning of God. The miracles were testifying to his being from the Father, having come from heaven as Christ incarnate. And so the miracles were testifying to his being from the Father. Verse 33. The Jews answered him, For a good work we do not stone you, but for blasphemy. And because you, being a man, listen to that, being a man, make yourself out to be God. The Jews say it's not for good works that we stone you. Uh, even that is an admission of the good works. They see the good works. They can't deny them. Uh, somewhere around there, there is a recently seeing man walking around. Uh, somewhere around there, close in their vicinity, there is a recently walking lame man walking around. And so they say it's not for the good works. They can't deny that. That's not why we will kill you. But they say it is for blasphemy. Blasphemy in, in the original language in the Greek is a word which means to slander or to harm the reputation of it. It doesn't have to be to God. It could have been for somebody else. It is a word that means to slander, to harm the reputation of. It most literally means this, to bring down, to bring down. They say you are a man claiming to be God, and in doing so, you are bringing down the reputation of God. You are harming the reputation of God. Now remember, in the Old Testament, the penalty for blasphemy was stoning. And so they are saying, according to the Old Testament, you have to be stoned. And that's what they're saying. Well, you've blasphemed God. You've brought him down in his reputation. And so according to the Old Testament, we have to stone you. 
Now, I want to pause right here for just a second. There are today many people and there are many groups that will say to you, Jesus never claimed to be God. Now, there, there's a whole false religions based upon that. And they'll say, Jesus never claimed to God, be God. He never said that. Other folks said it about him, but you read it, Jesus never claimed to be God. I saw a video last week of a Muslim cleric who said if somebody can show him where Jesus claimed to be God, he'd convert from Islam. That's what the guy actually said. Well, I want you to see this tonight. They are trying to kill him, and their charge against him is what? He claimed to be God. Do you see that? Verse 5, chapter 5, verse 18, it's the same thing. Here it's the same thing. Their charge against him is he claims to be God. All right, let's look at our verses. Verse 34, Jesus answered them, has it not been written in your law, I said you are God's. Now, when he says your law, it's talking about the Old Testament scriptures, the, the breadth, the, the, the entirety of the Old Testament scriptures. Has it not been written in the Old Testament scriptures? Has it not been written in your law? I said you are God's. That's a quotation. Verse 35. If he called them gods to whom the word of God came and the scripture cannot be broken, verse 36, do you say of him whom the father sanctified and sent into the world, you are blaspheming because I said, I am the son of God. Now let me explain these verses to you. In Psalm 82, verse six, and in three other places, God in the scriptures calls some unrighteous, unholy judges, gods with a lowercase g. Now, I want you to explain this to you. They were appointed by him to represent him. They were to judge his people on his behalf. They were to judge the way that he would judge. They were given his word as the standard for their judgment. And so understand, they represented him, and yet they were found acting in their own initiative. Because of that, God called them gods with a lowercase g. Well, Jesus says, if these unrighteous, unholy judges are called lowercase gods in God's word, then how is it that I who am sanctified by the Father, that means set apart by the Father. How is it that I, who am sent by the Father, he's from the Father, how is it that I, who am doing the good works of the Father, talking about all these miracles, how is it that I will be charged with blasphemy, with bringing down the reputation of God by saying, I am the Son of God? Now, that's a pretty complicated exchange, but let me just sum it up for you like this. Here's what I'd say. Don't argue the word of God with the word of God. Here's what I'd say. Don't argue the scriptures with the author and the message of scripture himself. In this exchange, they want to use the Old Testament scriptures 
to throw stones at him. In this exchange, Jesus throws a wrench in their argument. I want you to think about that for a second. Do you know that didn't happen? That doesn't happen to them. You see, they interpret Scripture. They use Scripture for their benefit. They're the ones that tell others how it's going to be according to Scripture. It sounds a lot like those lowercase g's from the example that he gave earlier. They themselves have made themselves like God. Verse 37, if I do not do the works of my father, do not believe me. Simple as that. Verse 38, but if I do them, though you do not believe me, believe the works so that you may know and understand that the father is in me and I in the father. Verse 38, Jesus says, if you don't believe me, Believe the signs. That's what he says. If you don't believe me, and they don't, then he says, believe the miracles. His goal, listen to this, is that they would understand, here's his own words, that the Father is in me, and I am in the Father. He says, listen, if you don't believe me, then look at the miracles. If you don't believe me, watch the signs. Let the signs speak that you may understand that you would know that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. I want you to see two things right here. The first is this. The first is there is a transition that will occur. When Jesus is there and Jesus is in their midst, they won't believe the words, and so he calls them to believe the miracles. However, soon there will be a transition, and where we can't see all of the miracles, John is writing so we would believe the word. However, in either case, the call once again is to believe. Listen, Jesus says Believe. John writes so that we would believe. The call of all of this is that you would believe the word, you would believe the miracles, you'd believe the Savior, you'd believe the word of God, that you would believe. Now the second thing to see is the most important thing. The truth of Jesus is he is a man. He is the Nazarene, flesh and blood, born in Bethlehem, care coming forth out of Galilee. They knew that. They said he was a man. He is a man. They picked up stones to kill that man. But the thing to see tonight, the thing to not miss tonight, is that the truth of Jesus is, though he is a man, in position able to save men, the truth of Jesus is he is God. He is God. Now don't miss that tonight. Be sure and see that tonight. The first declaration of John's gospel, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It is the first declaration. Jesus is God. The first message of Jesus' public ministry is 
I am God. The very first message, I am God. The repetitive message of Jesus throughout his public ministry is, I am God. And now the closing message of the closing ministry delivered to these beloved Jews that he longed that they would believe is, I am God. Listen, what he tells them is, you are my creation. You are my people. I am the one that made the promise to Abraham. I am the one that called out Isaac. I'm the one that wrestled with Jacob. Now I'm the one that came to save. I am God. Friends, let me tell you tonight. The gospel is this. Jesus is a man in position to save men. Jesus is a man, our blood relative, able to save us in his own blood. But hear me tonight, listen to me tonight. Just as sure and just as certain as Jesus is a man, Jesus is God. That is the gospel. Jesus is God. Why does it matter? Why do these cults say otherwise? Why, why does Satan try to deviate here? Why does it matter? Listen very carefully. Because only God, as the creator of life, can give life. Because only the one that is eternal can redeem eternally. Because only God can judge impartially a man can't do that without a bias or without an agenda because only God the Bible says can forgive sin because not because only God holy and pure is able to refrain from sin and to stand as the perfect lamb of God and where in a man we might have an example where in a man we might have a teacher where in a man we might have a friend and even an advocate, where in a man we might have a prophet able to bring God's word down, where in a man we might have a priest able to carry our prayers up, where in a man we might have a king, where in a man we might have a hero, it is only in Jesus, fully man and fully God, we have a Savior. And so to his beloved Jews and to anyone else that would listen in, Jesus wearing the skin of a man ends his public ministry by declaring, I am God. I am your Savior. Verse 39. Therefore, they were seeking again to seize him, and he eluded their grasp. Verse 40, and he went away again beyond the Jordan to the place where John was first baptizing, and he was staying there. Verse 40 says that Jesus went away. You know how sad that is? You know how terrible that is? Jesus went away. This was his city. This was his father's house. The temple was his father's house. These were his people, and he 
went away. And it says he went where John first was. Do you remember where John first was? In the desert. He goes across the Jordan. Can you imagine him as he walks out of Jerusalem? He came into his own and they truly received him not. He came with a message of hope and redemption and they wouldn't listen, they wouldn't believe him. And now he leaves Jerusalem, his own city. He walks to the desert. Verse 41. Many came to him and were saying, while John performed no sign, yet everything John said about this man was truth. Some of them came out to the desert and they said John did no miracles. But what he said about this man, that he is the Messiah, every bit of it is true. Jesus is the one. Verse 42. Many believed in him there. It's an interesting picture. And I don't, I don't want to press the picture too far. But notice where many people believed in him. In the desert in the desolate place. Isn't it strange? You could go to the city of David. You could go to the temple as magnificent as it was. You could sit with a scribe. You could learn at the feet of a Pharisee. But you found Jesus in the desert. Maybe tonight you're in a desert. Maybe tonight the hurt of life has brought you to a desolate place. Now, I want to tell you the good news of our Savior has not changed. That's where we sometimes find Jesus. Sometimes we don't find him in the good times, in the high places. Many times we find him when the crowd is gone and we're brought low in the desert place. Jesus is there. And many believed in him there. Let's pray. Dear Father, we come and again, we're thankful for this this message, this truth, your word. I'm thankful for the, the final public declaration of a Savior that's so gracious, he, didn't, he still wasn't trying to, to crush the Pharisees. He was trying to save them. Still wasn't trying to crush those that wouldn't believe. He was trying to convince them. What a gracious Savior. Lord, I'm thankful that you are man, able to save, that you are God in the position and power to save. I'm thankful that we have our Savior in Jesus the Christ, the Messiah. Lord, I, I pray that tonight that we have seen you, that we've heard from you, that you've been glorified tonight, that you've been lifted up. I, I pray for, for, for believers tonight that our, that our spirits soar tonight. This is our Savior. This is, this is our Redeemer. And I pray for those that are lost tonight, hurting in their sin, maybe in a desert place. But tonight they would look and they would find the hope of sinners, Jesus. Lord, I, I praise you again for this opportunity tonight. I pray that you would take it now in this time of invitation, that you would, uh, that you would work it, that you would multiply, that you would bless it. And I pray that in the response of this evening that you'd be glorified. We give it to you, and I pray in Jesus' name, amen. We're going to conclude our service tonight with a time of response, a time of invitation. And I want to tell you the good news tonight is this. Whether you're in the high place or the low place, whether you're in the city or the desert place, we have a Savior tonight. We have hope tonight in Jesus. The Bible says in our sin, we are doomed, we're perishing in our sin. But we have hope in Jesus. He came and settled the penalty, took the penalty, paid it for sin 
giving us freedom as repentant sinners that have turned to him. If, if you're here tonight and you're listening tonight and you've never trusted Jesus, listen, the good news is we have our Savior. Turn to our Savior. Trust him tonight. Wherever you're at, he is good. He is kind. He is powerful. He will save you. Turn to Jesus tonight. If you're, if you're here and you're hearing this and you've trusted Christ, but you've never fought in believer's baptism, on this night, I want to give you an opportunity as well to come and to, to, to walk in obedience to Jesus and to testify to what we believe of him in believer's baptism. You come as well. We'll set a day that'll be a great day of celebration, testifying to our Savior, Jesus. If you're looking for a church home and you've prayed about it and you believe God has led you here, you come as well. And together we'll serve for his glory. Maybe on this Thursday night, on this 48th night, you want to come and again pray in humility here at an altar. Maybe you're in a desert place tonight and I want to tell you the, the Savior stands out there. Maybe you want to come and, and, and seek him tonight at this altar. Maybe you want to pray with me. I'm going to ask that no one would stir about, no one would rush off for, a, for an exit tonight. You would pray for those who are making decisions. As we stand to sing, if God has spoken to you, you step out. You come on, I'll meet you here.